Hi, thanks for listening. This is the It's So Widgets Flutter podcast. My name is Hill Corny. Each episode, we get a chance to speak with another amazing member of the Flutter community. This episode, we are extremely lucky to be speaking with Majid. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on the episode. Uh, so I guess to start, can you share a bit about your background, how you got started with coding? Sure, sure. Um, well, um, I actually started coding when Commodore 64 was a thing. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm not that old, but, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I I had some, like, you know, time with Commodore 64 back then, you know, when the tape was kind of thing and you had to code and then record on the tape you remember some of you probably are hearing me and and you remember you know uh, those days and then i upgraded to uh i think it was a pc 4860 or something at that time and then you know we moved on until today so from from that time i was like maybe in um high school or like the secondary school i was very very passionate about how these computer things is working i remember my first time uh, the first time i wrote a program was a game that is running in commodore 128 and i was recording that actually i wrote that code uh, completely uh, from a source like i rewritten that somehow and i recorded into like a tape and i was like super happy about what i have done and then I, I just, you know, slowly get into uh, more programming and computer things. And I remember everyone, uh, even like today, if they have a problem, they now come to me and ask, you know, it seems like computers to me, I'm like a doctor. And whenever there is a problem, someone is asking me, can you fix this? You know, we have a joke also that people are asking, fixing the printers, even though it's not your your thing. But that's usually it's me, right? So I'm, I'm very passionate about everything around computer, especially programming. And, and that's, 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 that's the reason I'm doing that for a long time. And I'm quite happy with that. Very cool. And then, so how'd you get into Flutter? That's, that's, a, that's a funny story, I think. So I've been uh, doing fl- front-end development for maybe the last six, seven years. And mobile development and front-end uh, web development and things like that. And then four or five years ago, uh, I was in a company that we decided to do a migration from our a mobile web app to a native app. And then we decided to do it with a cross-platform framework. And at that time, React Native was a big thing. And then I was researching uh, a bit. Uh, I was given a task that to find out which cross-platform framework is the best for uh, our solution. So I ran, I, I conducted some, you know, research. I, I did some, um, you know, experiment with other frameworks. I remember it was NativeScript, uh, Cordova, you know, some other things. And then um, I came into a beta project or alpha project at that time was named Flutter. And I was reading that and started to setting up the project on my machine. Before that, I had some experience with other cross-platforms. I knew like sometimes how hard it can be to just set them up. And then within like maybe 10 to 15 minutes, I downloaded the SDK, setting up the IDE, and then it was working. And okay, 
that was so impressive for me at least at that time. And I ran the simulator, run a sample application, and I was started uh, like to writing some some changing some code, and it was like immediately appearing on the simulator. And you know, I ran to my teammates and said, "I think I found it. This is it. This is what we wanted." <laughs> So that was the time. That was the time that I actually was introduced to Flutter, and I fell in love with the technology. And I said, "No, this is this this framework has a very bright future." And I was not wrong, to be honest. We we made our application even though Flutter SDK was in beta, uh, and we even released it. Uh, so it was quite quite interesting uh, to work with Flutter from that time, to be honest. And that was the journey of me getting into Flutter. That's funny. I think as developers, we're also traumatized that we just expect it to, to to fail the first couple of times, and then eventually we'll get it working. And it's just complete exactly. shock. Exactly. Right, it works out of the box. Something must be wrong if it's working. Exactly. So you've been very, very busy in the community, and we have a lot of topics to talk about. Hopefully, we have time for everything. Uh, to start, I know you're probably working very hard getting ready for the Flutter Vikings conference next year. Can you talk about its history and oh, built yes. it and just yeah, all about it? Oh, yes, yes, uh, you are right. So Flutter Vikings, uh, the idea was to start actually last year during the pandemic. And uh, I've, I've been doing uh, conference organizing like for a couple of years, the last five, six years. So I had some experience. So and um, uh, during the pandemic, I thought that like, OK, why not having a very big conference online for Flutter. And there was no such a thing, at least um, by that time. So it was like a starting the pandemic and you know things like that. So I came into other folks in the Flutter community and said, yeah, I have an idea. I want to do a conference. I will do everything myself, but I need your help like during the conference maybe or someday before. And everyone said, yeah, this is perfect. Let's go for it. And I organized three days uh, online conference last year. So a lot of people uh, were interested into Flutter Vikings because of the way that we uh, kind of managed to introduce it to the Flutter community. For example, we had a lot of uh, activities during the during an online conference. So people were so engaged. And I, you don't believe me if I say that within uh, this last December, December 2020, I shipped a lot of swags around the world, maybe over 50, 60, or up to maybe 100 boxes to around the world to people. So it was an online conference, but I shipped a lot of gifts and swags to everyone around the world. I think so that was something for people who were watching an online conference, but they also received the physical gifts. So this year... I thought that now the pandemic is better, at least uh, in Europe where I live. Uh, maybe I can do an in-person. We don't have an in-person conference, at least in Europe, for a while. And it's time to have something. And it's time to get together, all the Flutter community, and then see each other and you know talk to each other. And it's very nice after a while. So I started to uh, doing some research, uh, talking with some venues, and I said, like it was in August or September, I said, I, I have to do it. There is no way. 
So I have to do an in-person conference. And after some, you know, uh, negotiation with some sponsors and they said, yeah, we will support you. And some people from the further committee said, yeah, definitely go for it. And, and then I booked a venue in Norway, Oslo, for February 3rd and 2nd. Very, very nice area in Oslo. And one of the best venue that you can find in Oslo for a conference. And so I booked everything as best as possible that I wanted. So now the, everything is ready, but uh, we're looking for somehow seeing uh, the situation because, you know, again, with the new variants of uh, Corona, everything is again upside down. I'm not really sure if we can make it like in person, but the whole purpose is to have an in-person conference as well as an online conference. So the Flutter Viking always will be a hybrid uh, version both online and in person. And what I really want to do is I want to have an in-person conference and then broadcast the conference over uh, like YouTube or somewhere that everyone can feel they are in the venue, even though they are not and they are like watching online. That's the idea. So the hybrid version will bring you the in-person feeling so for online uh, attendees and for in-person, so of course, they are in the conference and they can, you know, do a lot of things. Hopefully, let's finger cross that we can do it in February 2nd and 3rd. And, um, you know, keep in touch. Get your ticket on FlutterVikings.com. The reason that we want you, even for free ticket for online, to get the ticket is because when we have an activity and we want to ship something, you know, it's not it's easier to look for you know a ticket id and then get an address or maybe something else and when we don't need it we can just get rid of the all of the information and you know we remove everything we are very gdpr compliant so don't worry about it we will get rid of the information for sure if we don't need it good luck i hope the conference work the in-person conference works out i imagine right now is a very hard time to be planning a conference uh all the power to you i get it done and we're going to try to support you uh, and definitely, if you're listening to this, uh, go to the website. Is it FlutterVikings.com? Is that the website? Yes. So go to FlutterVikings.com. Make sure you register, for, at least for the online, if not the in-person one. And I have no doubt it'll be an amazing, amazing conference. I'm looking forward to watching myself. It's going to be great. Thank you. Uh, I recently got a chance to catch with Twitter Spaces. Do you want to share kind of the, the impetus to start it and your thinking around it? Absolutely. Um, about two months or like, let's say in... Um, end of October, maybe around October, I was thinking like to do a consistent Twitter space and, but very short and sweet, like 30 minutes ish, 45 minutes, depends on the topic. And in the beginning I started the Twitter space. I didn't expect to be honest that people will welcome that very warmly. So in the first, I think, Twitter space, we've been around 300 people on Twitter space. I was like, it was mind-blowing. I didn't expect it. I was like thinking to maybe have 30, 20 people, and especially those who I know. And then when people joined, and afterwards, I asked, um, I asked about the feedback and said, what do you think about these type of things? And everyone, like I got a lot of feedback and they said, yeah, this is great, but I think it's better to have a topic for each week so then we know what we're going to talk about. 
And then, then the week after, after the first one, I chose a topic. I said, let's talk Flutter, but maybe this week for state management. And last week we had it for testing. Another week we had it for job interviews. Another week we had it for resume and, you know, things like that. And I will continue doing that because people found it very interesting. Um, we usually have like speakers, amazing f- people from community. Everyone is welcome. If you have anything to share, just come on board to Let's Talk Flutter Twitter space and just raise your hand. I will make you like a speaker and you will share anything that you think everyone can benefit from. Anything that you you have, you have experience, so just share it with uh, all of us. That's I think this place is a place that I created for all Flutter developers to come and share their uh, you know experience. They if they have any question, maybe we can get some answer. And then every week, at least we can meet meet each other. Uh, each other, we can just you know talk a little bit. And give some updates uh, every week if there is anything new in Frutter and you don't have time to, like, catch up, you know. Or maybe on some particular topic, we can invite speakers that they can give you uh, good advice and, you know, they can answer your question. This Twitter space is all about, you know, uh, Flutter developers, all of us. Everyone is welcomed. Everyone can be a speaker. Everyone can speak loud and ask questions, share experience, give some opinion. Everyone. So then I encourage everyone to join me every week. Uh, usually Thursday I do it. Um, so you can join and, and, you know, maybe we can enjoy together. I'm happy to see or hear everyone, all Flutter developers in the call, in the Twitter space. Nice. It just it's a very positive and warm environment, extremely welcoming, which I think matches the, the general community at, at large. One of my favorite aspects of Flutter is just the people involved with it and the community around it. And it's just very nice to be part of a community where people expect to be welcoming and kind. And listen, people are going to disagree and that's acceptable but as long as it's done in, in a respectful way. Uh, that's what matters. Absolutely. I mean, I think you, you touched a very good point here, Hilo. So I've been part of uh, other communities too. Like all communities are great. I'm not saying uh, like anyone is bad, but Flutter community, I think, to my opinion, is a bit different. To be honest, it's very warm, warm and welcoming. I have seen people are coming to the community, and they we are like everyone in the community are treating the newcomers like very warm, and that will make you to stick. To this technology because the community around it is very warm and sticky <laughs> so you can simply come inside the community and then get out of it because you will love it you will fall loving uh, fall in love with the community as well as technology of course so i think you touched a very good point and this is one of the reason in the last four or five years where i've been with flutter i enjoyed doing a lot of things for flutter community because i love all of the people in community and what's nice to see that I think early on, I think we've both been developing Flutter for a few years now. And early on, it, to me, it wasn't a surprise that it was such a nice community because it was so small. But I was always concerned that as it grew larger and larger, you'd lose some of that. And it's nice to see it. I think that hasn't been the case. That as it gets larger, yeah. I think the people are here from the beginning are kind of setting what I think is the proper tone uh, and being welcoming to new people. And if we're welcoming to new people, then those people will be welcoming to the next new people and they'll be paying it forward. 
Uh, and we have a great opportunity. You know, it's great technology, but technology alone is nothing, right? Without the people, without the environment you're working in. Uh, speaking of community, so I know you're also very active with the Flutter community, the official Flutter community, um, working on the Flutter Community Plus packages. Can you talk about its history? Yes, sure. Um, the Plus plugin packages are a few of the official packages originally, um, like package info, device info, where at some point we've been in the community and we've been talking with other friends and we thought that, okay, I think we can do way more for these packages. Um, cross like desktop application or desktop building uh, application for Flutter was like in beta and there was not a good support for these packages. And we know that Flutter team is also very busy, right? So as a community, we want to step in and take over some of the work that we can do to provide more value to like the Flutter community as a whole, right? And Flutter ecosystem. So then um, we started to kind of forking these packages and called them or named them um, plus, like whatever package plus. So plus packages came from that idea. So it was like, I think eight packages in total. And um, we started to expand in like adding more features and platform support to these packages. Uh, it started, uh, it was like maybe in the beginning of the pandemic or it was not even started yet. So we, we had some time, especially during the pandemic, all of the main contributors, Miguel and, you know, JP and a bunch of other uh, of us. It's not only me, to be honest. I am like the public facing of the team. I'm talking loud and I'm doing a lot of contribution for sure. But it's not only me. It's a lot of people are contributing to these packages. So I really appreciate all of the helps that we are receiving from even the community. So then we we started to like adding features, as I said, and, you know, platform supports. And we started to building a website, like giving a better and official like documentation, you know, things like that. And then uh, we realized that people like liked it and then they started using that because well the number of issue rates well it also started to kind of fix some of the bugs where it was originally in the flutter uh, issues and it was related to that package and well they started to fixing in our package so initially people said why don't you fix it in that package and we said that you know i think we want to expand these uh, these uh, you know packages way more so maybe Flutter team does not have these, you know, a roadmap to, to have these features at all. So therefore, we will do it in our packages. And we did it. And after maybe about a year, then uh, Flutter team, in particular, Chris Sells, the, the product owner, one of the product owners in Flutter team, reached out and said, hey, you think, I think this is great. So if you agree, we will uh, have uh, kind of, your packages as an official one because you're doing way better than us. <laughs> and uh, and then we can discontinue our packages in favor of your packages. And we said, yeah, that's fantastic. And we did the best to bring these packages to the word uh, class uh, quality. So therefore, 
after a year and something, I think we also uh, received this favorite badge which shows uh, these packages are very high quality and very well maintained, right? And this was a moment for us that we were very happy. After a year and months of work, uh, we in the Flutter community did something very big, which both Flutter community and Flutter developers, as well as Flutter team, were quite happy. It was like maybe a very interesting initiative that we started we ended up having a very good, uh, like a happy ending, let's say, um, solution for, for these packages. So that was the whole journey. And as of now, we're still uh, supporting these packages. We're still contributing to these packages. We're fixing bugs. But we got a lot more attention because some of those packages, the original one, are now discontinued. And then we the, the Flutter team is referring those you know packages to us as a plus package and you know people can use it with no breaking changes nothing you know so at that time at least and now so the other people from the community started to helping us let me give you an example in uh, hacktober feast uh, 2021 uh, we started like a campaign or let's say you know like a fun initiative. And I said that if everyone contributes to Flutter Plus plugin, we're gonna give a swag to whoever you, wherever you live, to whoever is contributing. Um, and you don't believe me if I say we, we closed around 50, 60 PRs. I'm talking about big PRs, not even small ones. We, we needed like a lot of refinement our CDCI on other part of the you know uh, repository. We received very nice uh, PRs. We closed or answered maybe around uh, uh, 40, 50 issues. And this was fantastic. So people jumped in, stepped in, in Hacktober Feast, and they helped a lot. And we ended up even having uh, some of these contributors as a main contributor right now. So they are part of the team. And now they are even adding more and more features and taking care of these packages every day, which is fantastic. And I think this is the power of community. You see what we can do if we get together. We can just do a lot. That's awesome. That's a great story. Uh, really cool to hear. And I'm not surprised. I think the Flutter team in general do a great job highlighting the community and elevating the community. I think a great example of this would be uh, with state management, where in, you know, Block was initially, I think, developed internally by Google, and they were pushing it themselves, but they realized the community clearly uh, liked the provider package and were behind it. And they accepted it, and they kind of made it their recommended uh, solution, even though it wasn't developed by them, it was developed by the community. And it became, again, their, their single recommended approach for state management. Uh, which is nice to see. I think it's another example where they, they see the value of the community and by giving make, recognize it as Flutter favorite and also as, as official packages, uh, it kind of gives it their Google seal of approval. Uh, so community users are more likely to, to adopt the packages. Uh, very cool. Absolutely. Uh, so speaking of state management, I know recently you gave a talk about it. Would it be possible to share some of the insights you shared in the talk? Sure. Um... Yeah, you know, estate management, not in Flutter, but in many applications, especially front-end applications, is a very controversial topic, right? If you touch it, then you may disappoint some people and you may, you know, uh, give some opinion that people don't like and vice versa. But this topic or this talk was a bit different. 
I've been working as solution architect and software architect in the last maybe two years. And I've been doing a lot of architecting things um, for software and building solutions. And my mindset mindset has changed a little bit, at least, let's say, uh, where compared to when I was a developer, like purely developing and coding every day. And I was thinking, like, why, if I actually bring these, you know, things that I experienced in the last uh, uh, two years as an architect to a talk and say, hey, you know, if you want to choose a state management, for example, in Flutter, this is the way that you should think, then there will be probably no uh, controversial topic afterwards because, you know, architects usually give you two words as an answer right and probably you've heard about it i know this is not a very uh, this is not an answer that i'm going to tell you and a lot of people don't like it but it depends it's an answer for almost everything that architect says and i learned it in the last two years usually like previously I could be very concurrent and like solid on one solution and say, yeah, this is the best. There is no other way. But then in the last at least two years, I learned, no, there is always trades off, even in life. So you make decision for your life, but there is trades off around it. The fact that you don't find it, that doesn't mean there is no trades off. There is always trades off, but you don't find it probably sometimes. If you think or look, closely you will find it so then i put everything together as a talk around 50 minutes um, and uh, in about an hour i started to explain like how architect things i gave an i gave a real um example in a life and the example is very funny it's about engines below the wings for aircrafts I made the research a little bit and I realized that there are different types of engines. You can have below wings, above wings, uh, in front of the nose, maybe embedded to the wings. And I was researching and realizing why there are different ways. There must be some trade-offs between this. Some Why we, we always see, most of the time we see like engines are below the wings, but sometimes they are on top. There are a lot. I don't want to actually explain everything right now in the podcast. But one thing that I, t- I can tell you, at least because it's funny, for example, when the engines are, are like below the wings, it's, there are a bunch of benefits around it. And there are also some downsides or disadvantages. And one of the, for example, benefits is that so because it's uh, easier to access from the ground or it's closer to ground, then um, the maintenance cost is uh, like lower. This is one of the things that I mentioned in the talk as well. But on the other side, here is the fact I'm saying, there is always a trade-off. There is a trade-off with that. Because it's closer to the ground, it will absorb and, and um, uh, like pull more dust. And you know, the lifespan of the engine may decrease. You see that the maintenance cost is lower, but on the other hand, on the other hand, you have the lifespan shorter. Maybe the the, the, this, uh, the example goes on and on, and then I will uh, in, in the talk. I ended up having this as to say, you know, there is always trades off. Everything it's like depends on the situation that you know, you, or depends on the 
a problem that you're trying to find a solution or build a solution around it. So maybe sometimes you need engine on top, sometimes embed, sometimes below, sometimes in front and, and vice versa. And then I started to talking about flutter state management. You know that if we, I made a research and I found out that we have uh, even, uh, I think one of our very good member of the community, Mike, uh, has created a list of um, state managements or even other packages. But that in that uh, graphic, uh, he showed that we have over 30 packages for state management. That is a lot. And if you even go to Flutter state management options in Flutter documentations, you will find around eight or nine of them. That is a lot, right? But then the fact about architectural thinking is giving you this opportunity to say, hey, these are a lot. That's fine. You want to choose something. How architect think is that you need to come up with a list of criterias. You need to come up with a categorization of these you know, solutions. They are all going to solve one problem, and that is estate management. But they're doing that differently. You will probably find some pattern in some of them, and you can categorize them. And in fact, I did. I found out that we have some packages that built on top of Flutter uh, built-in solutions for estate management, like inherited widget, like change notifier, and so on and so forth. And, and there are some packages that built on top of a streams and, you know, uh, they are kind of conveying uh, reactive programming approaches. And there are some packages that are following somehow a functional programming approaches like pure functions and uh, immutable object and things like that. For example, Redux. By having these categories, you can have at least some idea. For example, if you have an application that is consuming, let's say, real-time uh, data um, and, you know, uh, having WebSocket stuff in your application and things like that, maybe you want to look, look into uh, the stream category or reactive programming category. Maybe that fits in your application better. At least you narrow, you're narrowing down your list to fewer packages. But that's not enough because still we have 30 packages, right? Then you will you you can what you can find then is the business drive uh, that is also part of the architecture thinking, right? So you, you need to you need to think about your team, what your team or your business needs. At the end of the day, we're building an application that is going to serve some kind of value to the business. We're not just building something randomly right so i i said here in the talk then the business value maybe it's the team drives like what team really wants maybe with that and your um also your application the business drives you can come up with some criteria you can say i want a package that is widely used maybe it has code coverage over 70 percent Maybe it has a lot of likes or GitHub stars. Maybe it has a very active repository. I see that maintainer is like pushing everything every day or, you know, at least it's very active. It has a very good documentation, sample codes and stuff. And, you know, with that, you can still, you can go and narrow down these lists to, you know, even shorter. 
In fact, I had an example in my talk. I, I was choosing uh, state management for my MJ Coffee app. It's a coffee app that I'm um, uh, training and also prototyping from time to time to different business people and also to developers. And I wanted to build this application within two days, like very fast. And it, this application had uh, maybe six, seven screens and a bunch of widgets. I wanted to choose a state management for this. So with those categories and criteria, which I mentioned, then I ended up having five or six packages that I had to check them to see which one fits my needs better. But before to check them, in architectures, uh, uh, you know, world, we have something called architectures uh, characteristic. So you know that architects very in favor of uh, saying things with illities, like words with illities, for example, productivity, or uh, sorry, uh, extensibility or scalability, or, you know, things like that. But in the talk, I mentioned that, you know, these illities as an architect, it's, it's probably sometimes nonsense to developers or maybe even to business. Do you have a product manager in your team they're coming from business probably perspective and then you want to give them and some idea why you have chosen this estate management and not the other one right some team cares some doesn't but still i also mentioned in the talk that these illities that you want to choose for comparing these six five packages needs to have Okay, you can have these illities, but it, ha it has to have a similar language in both developer and business. Like when we're talking about testability, what really means for business, that maybe falls into time to market or, uh, or maybe customer satisfaction or like because if you have a bug free or at least less uh, error prone application then the customer is happier or or maybe if you have a developer team that is happier because they, they can quickly test one thing that they've written in that package then they have a better satisfaction so then that might be a better solution this is a testability a package that comes with a built-in solution for testing a package that comes with death tools or maybe a package comes with code generation some teams prefer code generation some doesn't right and a lot of this all of these are actually available in my slides but hopefully that i uh, uh, you can uh, add them to show notes and people can click and look uh, for them but then at the end i chose six of these characteristics like for example simplicity and uh, extensibility, uh, scalability, testability, deployability, and uh, a few more. So I started to comparing five packages based on these uh, categories. It was the origin, like the built-in solution set a state in Flutter. It was block, it was river pot, it was uh, get it with get it mixing, and it was Redux, and it was um, I think that's it. I think five uh, packages. So these packages, I, I chose these packages based on those criteria that I mentioned and those categories. You may find other categories and other criterias valuable to your project, then go for it. Go and, and choose other packages for three of them and then start comparing. The point here was 
do not just stick into one or two factor. Don't just choose one package because it has the most stars or because you will find a lot of article around it. This is not a good approach. The good approach is to find or compare some of the solution, find out your criteria list, narrow down your list, find out the differences between the packages and based on your team needs, your drives, your criteria and coming up with the characteristic, as I mentioned, then you can say at the end, okay, now I compare these five packages. For me, for my particular MJ Coffee app that I mentioned, simplicity and agility was the most important factors out of seven factors. I already gave stars to all of these characteristics for each packages. When I looked them side by side, I realized set a state like the original built-in feature is the perfect choice for my application because it was fairly simple i my team and i didn't need to learn anything we have no dependency we could quickly build our application in two days because there was no learning curve we didn't need to find out the best practices or things that it was built in and we could find a lot of things in the Flutter documentation out of the box or maybe even in the source code itself. So we built our application in two days by just going and choosing the sets uh, or the, the, the built-in features in the Flutter. The, what I wanted to say in the talk was there is nothing right, there is absolutely nothing wrong to choose uh, this uh, packet or this solution, there is like absolutely fine. It's always absolutely fine to to go with the solution that works for you know so uh, your problem. And because you don't choose, you don't uh, select a package, and the package is very well known. You should not feel bad. You might even have two different packages or two different solutions for state ma management in your application. You know that what we're talking right now is mostly we're talking about app state, right? App state is the state that we want to share between some widgets or maybe all widgets. This part, maybe we want to have a better state management solution. But then for a thermal state, what is a thermal state? The thermal state is where we managing the state in one widget, right? So for that one, maybe you don't need anything. I see some people for a thermal state, they even put the state into some complex solution. I see there is, you can have two solutions. For the thermal, you can keep everything as simple as set the state in your stateful widget. There is nothing wrong with that. Simplicity is also very important in the application. Readability is very important, right? So, and at the end of the talk, these are the, you know, how architect thinks, how architect decide, we choose a solution, we go forward, of course, sometimes you know you don't want to scale, sometimes you definitely know you want to scale, so maybe you will end up having a package for, for your estate management. Whatever package it is, it's, it's perfect if it works for you. But keep in mind, that's also one of the things that I mentioned in the talk, is that the package that you choose or the solution that you choose may not be valid in the next eight months. I know that when you choose something right now, you're expecting that it should work perfectly. But if after a few months you find out that it doesn't, this doesn't work for you, then 
nothing is wrong. You can find, come back, revisit your uh, process, and find another solution. It's what I what I told people in the talk was if you separate your concerns in your application, like for example, having a layered architecture. You have a presentation layer, you have an infra layer, you have an application layer. Just the simple one as an example. So if you put the state management in an application layer and you don't pollute other you know, part of the application, there is absolutely nothing wrong to come back and refactor your application layer. And that doesn't do anything wrong with your presentation and infra layer. So it's just one layer. So the, the thing here is that estate management is very important for your application, but it's not the only thing. It's one thing in your application. It's maybe one layer. There are other things that you need to take into account. A good architecture in your, in your application make your life easier when it comes to refactoring and replacing one solution with another one sometimes. It was the whole, this was the whole idea of the talk in maybe 10 to 15 minutes, but the talk is around 50 minutes. So hopefully um, people can, can watch this talk online somewhere when it's published. Thanks. That's a great answer. I'm sorry it's hard to summarize an hour-long talk, obviously, in, in 10 minutes. I think you did a great job, though. I uh, made a lot of excellent points. Uh, I know there's some people who would say all you need is inherited widget, and that's enough. But I also very much believe that more state management packages is better. It kind of pains me sometimes when people, when people develop and uh, introduce a new package and there's a response for yet another one. Whereas I think we should be very welcoming to all new options. Absolutely. We just don't know. It could, with that attitude, we wouldn't have Flutter, right? Because the other technologies were theoretically Absolutely. good enough. So it's like it's nice to see all these new and, and the best will rise, right? Over time, if it's a new state management solution, which isn't useful, people won't use it and, and it won't get adopted. Whereas if someone creates something that actually is valuable, I think people will realize it, appreciate it, and it will get used. Absolutely. I mean, you, you actually touched a very, very good point. I, I People asking me like, oh, there are so many solutions for state management in Flutter. Well, if you're coming from JavaScript background, well, in fact, we ha we're still lacking or behind the JavaScript ecosystem in terms of <laughs> probably state management or packages, right? Th the fact that we have so many solutions is good. I'm always telling people because it shows how how this community is like vibrant, how they are active, how caring is this community because they're coming with solution to solving the problem. They people different people are seeing the uh, solving the problem differently and this is by itself is great because you might find a new estate management package which is coming tomorrow very suitable for your needs which you didn't know that you can have it that way, right? So it's good to have these diversity. It's, it's always good to have these diversity. And, and even these, let's say, um, competitive uh, state management market for Flutter, the reason is that even the good ones now needs to come up with better solution in their packages and make them even better, you know? So this is, this is always great to me. Definitely, 100% agreed. Yeah, I think in this case, competition is good. I think we'll just get better and better solutions um so you're incredibly busy i'm amazed how you get this all done but you're also working on video series uh, with with package developers is that right absolutely that's called uh, flutter original can you talk about background and yeah just describe it a bit sure um well 
you know, as an active member of the community, I found out that sometimes I'm using a lot of, you know, packages in Flutter and even I don't know who is creating these packages. And I thought that what if I actually pair program with these authors and get them to to a show where they can help me to implement or maybe refactor my application to implement their package or their solutions into my application. And then we can record this and get it out because it's quite helpful. I'm pair programming. It's a lot of tips and tricks. And I'm hearing and learning from the author of that particular package itself. It's not like a second hand. It's first hand content, right? So, or, or, you know, information from the authors. As well, I can introduce these amazing authors who are putting a lot of effort behind these packages. Some of them are like maintaining we, without even us knowing who they are. And, you know, so I thought that maybe I can introduce these people even to the community. At least people know, like the author of X package, who is that person? So they can come and, you know, maybe see the videos and watch the videos and even uh, learn from that authors and also uh, know these authors and also know how they can contribute. They can maybe support these packages and also the authors, you know, any type of help, not just financial, maybe open an issue and answering an issue or sending a PR. Just what my whole idea was, like three things maybe first introducing these amazing authors to everyone like at least we can know them or see them secondly pair programming with them and thirdly learning from them directly about their package and what or how they prefer we use their packages because they've been like coding those packages maintaining those packages and they know the best uh, how we can use those packages, right? And this this was the idea of Flutter Original. And as of today, I'm still uh, doing that. I'm recording, um, you know, videos, pair programming with these authors, and I'm getting these video out every every week, um, so people can watch it and learn from these authors. And if you have, uh, for those who are actually listening, if you have any like packages or anything that you want me to pair program with you or or if you want uh, any author in the show and, and I haven't maybe spoken to them yet, so please uh, reach out to me and I'll, I'll be happy to uh, talk to these people and, and, you know, get your favorite authors to the show as well. Awesome. That sounds like a great uh, angle or approach for, for video series. I saw recently there was an episode on macOS, which I'd like to watch uh, with Groove and Chip. Absolutely. Uh, very cool. Is there anything else you'd like to add we didn't cover? Um, not really, but I have to thank you for having me in this uh, podcast. So I, I, was, I was always a listener to the podcast, but today I'm speaking and this is amazing. Uh, it's, it's a next level. Uh, at least I can, I can be in the next level, I think, <laughs> by being in the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hello. And keep doing uh, this amazing work and contributing to the community. Oh, thanks. It's really my pleasure having you on the podcast. I just wanted to thank you for everything you've done. I mean, you've been incredibly active for the community. I don't know how you find all the time for all the projects you're working on. Um, it's really my pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been a great episode. Uh, so thanks for talking. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I guess until the next one. All right. Take care. Bye.